So I'm really excited to be here. Unlike Steve, Viv and Abby and Sam, who are maybe not so pleased to be back, we are very pleased to see you back. Um, so welcome, we've missed you. Um, I'm going to be talking to you about the Psalms today. Um, now, the brief was to pick one and talk about one, um, but I felt prompted to actually set a bit more of the, the scene of what the Psalms are, um, why they're important to us. Um, and so I haven't really focused on one Psalm in particular, is my basic confession up front. I told Stephen Viv this yesterday, as about 10 o'clock at night, so they obviously had time for me to change the talk. Um, not at all. Um, so, if you were asked the question, what's your favourite part of the Bible, Old or New Testament, um, what would you say? Anyone can shout out an answer. <laughs> what's your favourite part of the Bible? Either Old or New. Cool. I love numbers. I'm an accountant. It's my favourite one. But I didn't want to say that because I'm geeky. So, <laughs> so loads of surveys have been um, done of this, and the answers have generally been the same. So in the New Testament, it's normally one of the four Gospels. And um, Old Testament, it's consistently the Psalms that are called out as people's favourite parts. Um, and if there's one part of the Bible, one chapter of the Bible that people can generally recall or may have heard in their day-to-day lives without even necessarily being aware it's a psalm. Um, It's one that's used in marriages and in funerals. Um, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, etc., etc. It's Psalm 23. So that's kind of quite a well-known one, probably the the best known of, of all the psalms. So what are the psalms? They are a collection of sacred songs, lyric poems and prayers that have all been brought together in one book. Now, there's 150 of the psalms, so just everybody remembers, everyone put their hands up. I can see you all, so I can see who's not taking part. Put your fingers up, this counts as 10. You close them again, that's 20. Now we're gonna keep going at that until we get 150, so quick as you can, go. 50, I won, yes. Good. So. Our knowledge and interaction with the Psalms can be a bit like Facebook. So some people in the world have no idea that Facebook exists. Shock faces all around. Um, Some people know it exists, but they think other people should use it, or they've signed up, but they've never downloaded the app. Other people think it's epic, and they're on it all the time. They're kind of scrolling through daily, making their posts, talking to others. And so on Facebook now, like, everybody knows we can like, we can love, we can laugh, you know, ha-ha. We can be wowed, we can be sad, or we can be angry. And it's, we respond to these things. And as, as we do that, we're part of community. And the Psalms are a similar thing for us. So who wrote the Psalms? So Facebook was created back in 2004 by Mark Zuckerberg when he was at Harvard University. And he created it with some friends, actually, to try and um, get this girl to fall in love with him. But it kind of obviously expanded quite significantly and it's now this worldwide thing. And the Psalms are quite similar because they're a collection of different writings by different authors. And they're written between about 1000 BC and 400 BC. And the general consensus is that King David of Israel was the major contributor and he was also the main collector of all the Psalms. And that's why we have a lot of them today. So kind of for the geeky bit, they're kind of divided into five sections. So the first section, 1 through 14, was mainly written by David, 
and it discusses humans as blessed, fallen, and then redeemed by God. The second section, so 42 through 72, talks about how we can go to God with our problems. And they were, again, mainly written by David and then the sons of Korah. The third section, 73 through 89, praise God because he is holy. And they were mainly written by Asaph or Asaph's descendants. The fourth section, oh, that's really hard to do. Um, <laughs> 90s were 106, often talks about <laughs> keeping life in God's perspective and looking at God's plans. Um, and this section is actually mainly written by unknown authors. And the final and fifth section, 107 to 150, again, mainly written by David. And these are all, the Psalms are generally written to music and they're all used to praise God in different ways. So we can see that the Psalms, they've looked at the past, they view the present, and they also provide us with a preview of the future. So what's the structure of the Psalms and how do they differ to today's modern poetry? So just like if you want to use Facebook, you need to know how to post, how to scroll, etc. The Psalms have a specific construction and they also have a style and that makes them really special in the Bible and different to a lot of the rest of the scripture. And if we understand this, it also helps us to understand the scriptures and how they apply to our own lives. Now, the root meaning of Psalms um, in the Bible, the title, in both Greek and in Hebrew, means to play instrumental music and to sing to musical accompaniment. Now, we saw some amazing examples of our guys this morning singing and worshipping and that's also how the Psalms would have been um, shared with the churches. So God's people in the temple at the time would have sung the Psalms. They would have had instruments and they would have lived them. Now, the Psalms are Hebrew poetry. And unlike English poetry, so most of us would know something like, Mary has a little lamb, it's fleece as white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, <laughs> the lamb was sure to go. Now, that has a nice rhythm to it. It's quite easy, quite a good tempo to it. Um, but Hebrew poetry can sometimes seem a bit difficult, or like we can't connect to it, because it doesn't have rhythm, it doesn't have rhyme. But what it does have is something called parallelism, and that means that there's balances between one or two sentences. Uh, and it's a bit technical, so in general day-to-day -day language, so you can use it where things are similar. So we might say, like father, like son. Or you can use it where there's different differences to err is, is human, to forgive divine. So you can see that there's a contrast. And this also happened in the Psalms. So Psalm 15:1. So Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? So you can see there it's um, a similar thing and it's repeated in a different way so we get a better understanding. Psalm 1, 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteousness, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There you can see it's a contrast. So it's one thing against the other thing. And then Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. See here, the psalm builds up so that we get more and more depth. So the construction is important so that we can remember as we read them we don't just look at one line, look at the, the section, look at the whole psalm, because they have a flow and that parallelism continues through. So now we know a bit about what the psalms are, who wrote them, and about their structure. So now we need to know 
well, why do I need to know about this? What's in it for me? Um, so what are the benefits of the Psalms? So hands up if you've ever experienced... Oh, Steve is so compliant. <laughs> Such control. Hands up. <laughs> so if you've ever experienced one of these emotions, joy, sadness, gratitude, fear, or anger. Good. So everybody has emotions, uh, the good and the bad, all in the gamut. Um, now, the Psalms are much more, much more than just a beautiful literary kind of composition. They offer timeless and eternal truths that I can hang on to, that you can hang on to, that apply to every person, regardless of age, background, or where they were born. The words, phrases, and sentences teach us things that so few things actually can teach us. So, so many of life's important questions are addressed in the 150 Psalms. And the Psalms show an awareness that God's presence is in people's everyday lives. Not just when we come to church, not just when we're having a bad time, but all the time God is there through the Psalms. In the Psalms there is encouragement, there is instruction, there is inspiration, there is truth. And there are solutions to the greatest issues that we face as men and women. We all have real and valid needs and our hearts and minds are cared for through this unique book. Now, worship is a process of coming to know the Lord. The deeper we can go in worship, the deeper we grow in our knowledge of Jesus. And when our worship deepens, so does our intimacy with him. Now, the writers in this, of the Psalms all understood this and knew it well. They used their everyday events, so what was going on day to day in their lives, and they crafted the hymns, they crafted the poetry, and they expressed their joy, their sadness, their gratitude, their fear, and their anger through the Psalms. They expressed the emotions that the writers felt every day. And they used this to actually draw nearer to God. So regardless of their situations, they were drawing nearer to God. And what happened then was that God revealed himself to them through their worship. Little sip. So you might be saying, okay, I can see that there's this unique contribution of the Psalms. I get that. How do the Psalms continue to stay relevant today, throughout time, and in our lives? Now, religious poetry, known as Psalms, was not unique to the Israelites of old. Other people used Psalms to praise gods or deities of the time. But only the Bible continues to be used today, whilst others are studied for historical or archaeological interest. The Psalms itself were spoken in the New Testament. Jesus spoke of himself as fulfilling the messianic prophecy and the Psalms. And the disciples themselves, who were the people around Jesus, often quoted the Psalms as evidence that Jesus was in fact the Messiah spoken of in the Old Testament. Paul instructed the churches of the New Testament to share the Psalms in Corinthians, Ephesians and Colossians and the singing of the psalms there was part of worship in church. And we still see that the psalms are used today, both in liturgy, which is kind of a, a posh word for church services, and through hymns and worship songs. And we see it in today's songs, like so many of all modern worship songs, or the inspiration for what we're writing comes from the psalms. And there are several reasons why the Psalms have meant so much to people over the years, 
And this can encourage us in our study of the Psalms. So first off, the Psalms speak to us. When you read the Psalms, it's as though your thoughts, your emotions are being reflected as if the psalmist has penned what's going on in you. So how is it that despite the centuries passing, a man who lived in a different time and a different culture can still express our innermost thoughts, feelings and worries? The answer, of course, is that we're reading the Bible, which is God-breathed and divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is timeless from beginning to end. They are a word from God to us, so they can speak to us. The second idea is that the Psalms speak for us. So the Psalms have a unique place in the Bible. Most of the um, books that come before the Psalms and after the Psalms are speaking to us, they're telling us a story. But the Psalms actually speak for us. In Romans 8, 26 to 27, it tells us that God speaks for us the things that are unutterable, which means we find it hard to say or express. It says, in the same way that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of the God with the will of God. Is it not possible that some of the unutterable feelings that we have, some of the desires that we don't dare share, were spoken by the psalmist because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit? The psalmist often puts his finger on a problem that I grapple with. The psalmist can often say things that I don't have the words to say. Therefore, we can often see that the Psalms are speaking for us. And when we pray in the words of the Psalms, we can often do it more effectively than we have our own language to do. Now, thirdly, Psalm 130 opens, the Psalm speaks for us out of the depths. It is, of course, one thing to be able to praise God when we've had a great day and we're feeling awesome. It's quite another thing to praise God when we are at the bottom of our life and things seem to have fallen out of place. Now, we may find comfort, consolation and the words to praise God in our darkest hour through the Psalms. I've often found when I'm suffering, when I found that God is absent in my life, actually turning to the Psalms helps me. It's also noteworthy that when David wrote the Psalms, most of the time he was actually fleeing from Saul. It wasn't when he was sat on high as ruler of a nation. Fourthly, the Psalms are not only just this prayer book that we can use, they also provide us with a pattern for our worship. Martin Luther King found the Psalms to be a school of prayer. He said, The Christian can learn to pray in the Psalter, for here he can hear how the saints talk with God. The number of moods which are expressed here joy and suffering, hope and care, make it possible for every Christian to find himself in it and to pray with the Psalms. So we can find a Psalm for every occasion of our life, every season, if you will, people talk about seasons, um, whatever's going on. Just like in the supermarket, you know, they have the overhead signs, so you know where to go for fruit and veg, or you know where to go for milk or dairy or beer, whatever it is you're looking for. It's useful to group the Psalms 
so that we kind of have a, a handle on where we need to go with them. That helps us expand our worship. It helps us go deeper in our relationship with God. And most of all, it helps us expand our knowledge of Jesus. So first of all, there are psalms of praise. Now, we know these because we're often using them in worship songs. Um, we see celebration. We see overflowing joy. We see excitement. Now, these type of psalms explain God's goodness. They bring all of creation to worship. And this is really where we can find ourselves connecting in, you know, like often at the end of worship, you feel really connected. Now, Psalms take us to places of praise, to places of thankfulness that we don't normally go. We can get in much quicker through worship, and it also expands our horizons of God. And we can often express this, you know, like you'll see some people singing or dancing, and the Psalms talk about this. So Psalm 96, 1 to 3 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders amongst all peoples. So what do we do with this information? Read the Psalms, be open to worship, be willing to express yourself in singing and dancing, take on pictures and speak the words as if they were your own. Express your praise and your worship to the almighty God. The second type are psalms of thanksgiving. Now, these are closely related to the praise psalms. The thanksgiving, thanksgiving psalms emphasize gratitude for what God has done. In difficult times, this type of psalm is particularly helpful for remembering that God is always faithful. You can use the psalms to build relationship between you and God. Psalm 91, 1-2 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. So how do you use thanksgiving? You need to see God in your everyday experiences and express gratitude to him for it. And you can use things that help you connect more easily, whatever way you express yourself, whether that be through music, using your hands, Psalm 63.4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and I will lift your name with my hands. And Psalm 33.2 says, Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him. Now the third type is psalms of condemnation. At least 30 of the psalms deal with condemnation. And they're asking God through that to curse or destroy an enemy. Now I sometimes don't like those psalms. I sometimes feel a bit awkward about doing it because... It feels like they're offensive or like they might be loaded with hatred, which kind of, you know, we're told to go against. But if you take a closer look, you'll see that the Psalms often come from the innocent crying out for justice. Now, God's nature is justice. So when we see injustice, it's really appropriate for us to worship with this type of Psalm. Psalm 34.1 is a good reminder. It says... I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. So we need to be ready to speak up and step out against injustice. The fourth type are psalms of royalty. Now, royalty psalms describe how God reigns supreme. They paint a picture of an earthly king being like a son of God and therefore ruling with unlimited power, justice, and ultimately, the Psalms all point to us as Jesus as our supreme ruler. 
that impact for us is significant because it means that we are princes and princesses of the one true king. Hebrew declares, all believers are a royal priesthood. The book of Galatians points out, believers will inherit the kingdom of God. Through Jesus, we each fulfill a royal function by carrying the authority of heaven and being God's presence here on earth. The final type, coming into land, folks, is psalms of lament. (laughs) Lament psalms are actually the single most popular type of psalm. They mean that we address God with a complaint or a request, but they always end with an expression of trust. David was a man after God's own heart, and his psalms take us through the struggles that he dealt with, like fear and like loneliness. He didn't live in this holy bubble just because he knew God so well. He lived an unfair life. He was confused. The world around him was broken, just like it is for all of us. He was sometimes overwhelmed. He sometimes had to wait on God. He sometimes didn't get the answer or the solution. Now, the Lament Psalms are powerful tools because they teach us how to express our concerns, our worries, our upsets, where we perceive that God is um, in action or his actions aren't correct with us. But they teach us to do this without losing trust or without um, expressing unbelief. The Lament Psalms enable us to take a depth in our worship. Psalm 95.6 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So what do you do with this information? Do you think you are the only one with inner struggles? Let me assure you that you are not. <laughs> David also teaches us that we do not need to struggle alone. He honestly took his thoughts to God, and so should we. Trust, trust, trust. It's a recurring theme in the Psalms. We know that fear and faith are opposites. So let's sit in the faith camp and push down the fear camp. Psalm 37.8b says, Do not fret, it only causes harm. Psalm 33.20 says, Our soul waits for the Lord, he is our help and shield. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 23.4a says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Do you know how truly important you are to God? You are not an orphan. He loves you with an everlasting love. Psalm 1, 1-3 opens, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Read, listen, sing, meditate on the Psalms. Let them expand your horizons. Let them take you higher. Let them take you deeper. Poetry and music touch our hearts. So pour out your hearts. Seek God's wisdom. Take comfort and take his help. Lastly, praise God. Thank God for all that he does, all that he is, and all that he will ever be.
So, closing prayer. So, Father God, I thank you and I praise you for the Psalms here today. I pray that we can each accept that we will have different seasons and different stages of our lives. I pray that we can use the Psalms in the different seasons of our lives to draw into a closer and deeper relationship with you, Lord. I pray that each person will know how to worship with a style of psalm that suits them and their situation day by day. And I pray, Lord, that this will bring you into closer intimacy with you and that you express your hearts to the people that you love. In your holy name. Amen.